0: Imagine all the people. (laughs) Yours is a lot better. Living life in peace. You might say I'm a dreamer. But I'm not
1: the only one. (laughs) I hope someday you'll join us. So the
0: world can live as one. (laughs) Damn, it's just actually Bernie's policies. (laughs) (laughs) Bernie's a fucking hack. (laughs)
1: live from Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound.
0: I'm Oscar. I am Andrew.
1: Let's get stuck into it. How you doing, boy?
0: Doing all right.
1: Back for another week? Yeah. Uh,
0: we got a whole bunch Still of... Still here on the spaceship <laughs> that we often forget about. On the
1: spaceship. We are on an actual spaceship. Beep, 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 boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Sorry, I'll close the window.
0: Stop breathing on the mic.
1: <laughs> the, the, the space mic... Keep it <laughs> down, back down, Michael.
0: Microphones on spaceships. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As, space mics. Long, as long
1: as you call it a space mic, they do. Um, Spike. This week, we are going to be doing a review of the brand new film <laughs> Ad. By Ad. Ad. Ad Astra. <laughs> and cut. <laughs> um, <laughs> the brand new film Ad Astra, uh, directed and co written by James Gray stars Brad Pitt it just came out this year Brad in... Astra <laughs> good one it just came out this year in 2019 Brad it's Astra like a science fiction oh, The Wikipedia says it's a science fiction adventure film <laughs> uh, I think that it's probably best described as having like the <laughs> visual aesthetic
2: science fiction Rob
1: <laughs> uh, having the visual aesthetic of like an interstellar crossed with Blade Runner and then we were talking about it after the film as being almost like an adaptation of like the story of Apocalypse Now but in space
0: Which is actually Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Yeah, um, Yeah. we can
1: talk about it later, though. For the moment, though, we'll kick off with some news, special features. (sighs) We're trying to be a little quiet. (laughs) Oscar's got new roomies. (laughs) Uh,
0: First headline to kick it out of the gates, boy. Kick it out of the gates? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just start that again. Yeah, he, Liz, I don't know if that came across <laughs> his voice, but he shot me a venomous look. Beef bullet.
1: <laughs> First headline here for you, boy. Disney starts taking U.S. pre-orders for Disney Plus ahead of its November debut. <laughs> so you can now pre-order a streaming service. So you can. You can. Shut up. <laughs> How you doing?
0: I have one question. Yep. I have two questions. Yep. One. What are you pre-ordering? Disney Plus, the streaming service. You can pay for it in advance. Yeah. And so you get...
1: You get Disney Plus. So if you pay $70, uh, you get a
0: year of Disney Plus. Oh, so you're just buying a year of it in advance. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, just in case they sell out when, right. it, when it opens on Yeah, because usually pre-orders, November the
0: pre-orders deal with scarcity and availability. Yeah. So that was my next question is, are they going to run out of Disney Plus for people? You do
1: get a sweet digital hat if you pre-order before... before before, before. A digital hat? Um, you know, I'm, I'm making a gag. It's not a great gag, but you know... Oh, you, little, you don't you, get a digital you, no, hat. No, you don't get that. No, I was you, wondering if you just so get the, some sort of... Um, <laughs> some sort of like microtransaction it. system... <laughs> Yeah, you're you like, like I wouldn't
0: put a plus, Disney Disney plus. persona that you could put in your profile. And you can <laughs> no, Buy sorry. fucking hats for it. God I'm sorry for
1: making a dumb joke that was very, very feasibly possible. Uh, no, apparently, uh, people imagine could- living in hell. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, people uh, a couple of weeks ago you could do it, an even and even earlier pre-order where you pay 150 dollars for three years up up at, up front. That's not a
0: pre-order. You just, I mean, it is. I think that's a discount, but it's not. That's a discount, but
1: like, still, imagine Ugh, being so fine. confident that you want to watch Disney Plus streaming the next three, show for the next years. three years. If you had like, kids, that's a smart move, I suppose. So No, I'm, 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 all in on hating this. Um,
0: I hate it, like viscerally, they, they, in my stomach. But yeah. So
1: the Emmys just happened the other the other day, um, and they yeah, advertised a, on the Emmys that they were I
0: actually memorized the Emmys results. Oh, really? Uh, Mindhunter season two won everything. Except best comedy, which is Fleabag.
1: Oh, okay. Well, uh, beef beef the Emmys worst. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. No, uh, Fleabag. Of course, we talked about it a few weeks ago with Josh, friend of the show, um, as being I thought quite a well-written drama, a fun show to watch. I just personally didn't find it hilarious. A but the more I, like Yeah, exactly. The more I sort of watch clips of it, the more I'm like, no, maybe I'll go back in and watch it when I'm in a better mood because I like all the little clips, and I think it's I think it's really funny. Really well written. Definitely worth going in on. And now that opinion has been validated by the Emmys. So, mm. you know, there you go. Other big winners were Game of Thrones, which won Best Drama. Chernobyl won Best Limited Series. Phoebe Waller-Bridge won for Best Actress in a Comedy. Bill Hader, his series Barry, came mm. out this year. I've been really looking forward to seeing it. I just haven't had a chance to steal it because it's on HBO. Yeah. Um, but have you heard about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's written Apparently and directed the show. He plays a hitman who has um, a passion for acting. Yeah,
0: he he, he in, is he's actual. on a
1: job that he has to like kill kill a guy who goes to an acting class. So he goes to this acting class and likes it so much that he <laughs> quits being a hitman. And so I, I think like it's almost sounds like Breaking Bad style. He's sort of wrapped up in two worlds at the same time. It and imagine really
0: like great. Bill Hader as like a hitman because yeah. it's not always all the time funny. It's very much like.
1: Yeah, apparently they have one episode that is all one long fight scene. Fuck. Which sounds cool. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, no other huge things here for things that we've both seen. Peter Dinklage won for Game of Thrones. Sure. Uh, there's a show called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel that's cleaned up quite a few awards here that I haven't heard of before. Um Neither. But I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Saturday Night Live won Best Variety Sketch Series for what is probably like <laughs> the 20th time in a row.
0: They win Best Hire and Fire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> you are right, though. Yeah, Fleabags cleaned up quite a few Emmys. Yeah. Um, Chernobyl won for Best Writing for a Limited Series, which seems weird that they have like for a limited Best yes. Limited Series and Best Writing for a Limited Series. And it's. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, it, we get it. It's just weird. And they have best directing for a comedy series. Like, who's watching a comedy series? And they're like, that's a very well-directed series. Like, Literally I don't know. industry people. I suppose it's these are very specific industry yeah. awards. So Chernobyl won best writing for a limited series, best directing for a limited series, and best limited series. <laughs> like, at what point do you just get rid of those just three awards those and just make them one. one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you're right. No other exciting ones there, but I've got to go back in on Fleabag and watch it again. you
0: got to go in on Mindhunter. I've never actually watched it. I Man, I, I haven't a found great show. I haven't found a single Mindhunter win here yet. That's fake news. I think Season 2 came out this year. But yeah. Um, I watched the entirety of Season 2 uh, in the last two weeks. Oh, yeah? Oh, well, I'll save it because we're not done with the news, are we? <laughs> damn. No, Mindhunter's damn. really good. Everyone go and watch it. Cool. It's it's a very subtle show. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: a little bit of also happened screen during the Emmys was a teaser trailer for the new Breaking Bad movie El Camino, which comes out very soon now. Vince Gilligan has been very tight-lipped about revealing any sort of spoilers or very many details about the series at all. Um, the teaser, the teaser is really cool, and I think if you're familiar with the show, I don't think the teaser reveals anything about the movie that would be a spoiler. Considering the fact that we know it continues on from the series, anyway. If you're unfamiliar
0: with the show, yeah. If you're unfamiliar with the sh- everything, well, and
1: I've heard it. It sounds like this this new movie is going to be tightly packed with all sorts of references and sort of continuation from the show. Where it's like it, it sounds like if you haven't watched the series, you're going to be a bit lost. Yep. But um, considering that, I've, I've I risked I risked spoilers and watched the teaser.
0: So you did our little our little Twitter vid cosmonaut. That's it.
1: <laughs> the rumor here, or the the. One skearic of information we have is a bit of a Skaric. screen, a screenshot Great that shows work. what Aaron Paul looks like now, um, and the fact that Badger and Skinny Pete, <coughs> Badger, Badger <laughs> and Skinny Pete, <laughs> the fact that Badger and Skinny she Pete, got, do you remember that Badger, 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 Badger <laughs> monsters? Fuck. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Reveal that Badger and Skinny Pete are going to be back for this movie, along with yeah, Badger was
0: in the teaser, wasn't he? No, Skinny Pete was. Skinny Pete was,
1: yeah. Sorry. And there's going to be a total, it says, of 10 characters from Breaking Bad that are going to come back for this movie. We still do not know whether Walter White will be in it at all. Right. Because he very feasibly could be. He could be in flashbacks or like, you still you still don't know whether he died at the end of Breaking Bad or not. And I kind of liked that it was ambiguous. So I would like it if they kept it that way forever. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this, man. It'll be
0: great, I reckon. mm uh. I've learned never to get my hopes up about anything.
1: Incidentally, uh, Ryan Johnson, guy who did Lupa and the Star Wars, one of the Star Ryan Wars
2: movies,
0: Rian.
1: I think it's Ryan. Okay, because Rian's not a real fucking name. <laughs> and Ryan well, is
0: R I A N. Yeah,
1: Ryan. R I A N. Get over here, <laughs> mate Rian, your <laughs> uncle. <laughs> he was named Fuck. after you. <laughs>
2: I've seen Looper. <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing. So That's how he gets
1: you.
0: Laughing, and then I just <laughs> ended up laughing. That's Fuck. how he Fuck. gets
2: you.
1: Um, so he's got a new movie coming out soon called Knives Out. Um, oh yeah, I heard about this.
0: Uh, he has
1: gone online warning people not to watch the trailer. Cool. Which is cool. I'm, in, I'm um, into it. He says, "If you want to go in fresh, don't watch the trailer." I haven't really quite read about why it is that we shouldn't watch the trailer because I don't. We I want to go in so totally fresh. I, I don't, don't even want to, want to know what that. I'm missing. <laughs> it's coming out on Thanksgiving in the US. No
0: spoilers for the trailer.
1: Yeah, I've enjoyed all the movies of his that I've seen there, so I am really looking forward to this movie. He says, it doesn't spoil anything, but it shows plenty of moments that are best experienced for the first time in the movie. If you're already in for opening night, I recommend going in clean, he
0: said. That follows our logic of, exactly. you know, we were talking about this during the week, Yeah, we think, I think, I proposed, and Oscar agrees, that trailers are pointless if you are... 100% definitely going to watch that movie yeah if you're absolutely going to watch the movie don't watch the trailer because you're
1: only just have a bit of self-control and enhance the movie experience for exactly you're <laughs> only
0: compromising parts of the film that mm. you might enjoy seeing for the first time in context
1: I remember like famously the Madag- not famously <laughs> I remember and have remembered to this day and because you're
0: famous
1: you remembering anything <laughs> um,
0: is famously remembering
1: I remember the Madagascar trailer was a very funny trailer um the animated movie with the zoo animals um I know what
0: Madagascar is. <laughs> yeah, I know in you. In addition do. to being an island, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have the distinct memory of there being jokes in the trailer and an, the trailer being cut together in a way to make there more jokes than were in the actual movie. But most of the jokes that were the funniest jokes from the movie were in the trailer, right? And it ruined it.
0: Yeah, because you're watching the movie and there's nothing new. Yeah, exactly. You've seen the movie. Yeah, that was
1: that was one of the worst bits. Was like, oh, the, the, all the good jokes. Yeah. We're in the trailer. God it's damn.
0: stupid because I feel like if, if you approach someone and you said, hey, there's this movie coming out, do you want to watch a highlight reel? They'd be like, no.
1: You're getting dangerously close to convincing people not to listen to us anymore. That's <laughs> what <laughs> a trailer <Pipe> is. Down.
0: <laughs> no, a <laughs> highlight reel as in like bits of the, the best bits of the movie. Like, no, I don't want to watch that before <laughs> yeah, I watch no, exactly, the movie. Yeah. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, how's this? we got some Brexit-related movie news. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Boris Johnson came out in some interview recently and, Damn, said, boy. <laughs> and said that The Godfather is his favorite movie, Francis Ford Coppola has now come out and said that he is embarrassed that The Godfather is <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Boris Johnson's favorite movie. I don't remember the specific example, but I, I love that when right wing... Politicians come out liking this shit, and the artist is like, "No, fuck you, fuck it's off." It's like
0: the Trump campaign using a uh, song, and yeah. then it was like Dave Grohl, I maybe Foo Fighters.
1: I think there was something like David Cameron said he liked the Smiths, and Morrissey was like, "David Cameron, you're a cunt. Don't listen to my music. I hate you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. These <yeah. laughs> listen bullet points. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I, I, it's like, oh, fuck you, fuck you, take that. Yeah. you deserve to have like. Your musical hero yeah. shoot you in the foot.
0: Yeah, imagine having a political view that was so abhorrent that, like, you had a lifelong musical love. Yeah, and they turned around and were just like, "Oh, I hate you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After you oh. were like, "I love this person." It feels music.
1: so cruel for me to say that because I, I like, no, it I would break it. They like, it. It would break my heart if like Paul McCartney or Bob Dylan told me they hated me. Yeah. But, but I, I kind of like the idea that you've gone from being this, like I assume, lefty kid, teenager, because it seems like everyone's a lefty when they're a teen, nah. loving the Smiths. Young liberals, mate. <laughs> loving the Smiths, thinking they're so cool, and growing up, from not Morrissey not knowing who you are, to Morrissey going out on a public platform being <laughs> like, I hate you. Yeah, rarely <laughs> responding, <laughs> and just being like, you suck. To be fair, if, if I do remember that it's Morrissey, Morrissey is also a lippy piece of shit, and Mm. He he can get fucked. But, you know. (laughs) How's this? Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds are going to star in a musical reimagining of A Christmas Carol. (laughs) Directed by... Fuck off. Written and directed by Sean Anders and John Morris. Sean Anders uh, co-wrote and directed Horrible Bosses 2, Daddy's Home, Daddy's Home 2, and then co-wrote... Or wrote Hot Tub Time Machine, Mr. Pop is Penguins, "Where the Millers, and the sequel to Dumb and Dumber.
0: <laughs> so this is going to be fucking awful. What's happening right now?
1: <laughs> what? Power to Ryan Reynolds, though. It really goes with our theme of Ryan Reynolds just, like, taking the absolute nuttiest,
0: weirdest... Just taking the piss.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just absolutely taking the piss. Seeing how many weird projects (laughs) he could do. Um, Apparently, he only did Detective Pikachu so that his kids would have a movie of his that they could watch. Great, which is nice. That's so maybe maybe that's another one of these. um, I've heard of a
0: couple actors that time with Deadpool or whatever. Yeah, right. Imagine being in a position where you're like saying yes to a million dollar contract or whatever. Because you're like, yeah. yeah, it'll give my kids something to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I want to do it or it's a good deal or it'll advance my career. It's just like, yeah. no, I'm I don't need to <laughs> um
1: <laughs> Sean Bean now rejects roles where his character dies on screen. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I just had to
0: cut that out and start surviving. Just had to cut that out start surviving <laughs> he gets into a board meeting he's like do I die at the end <laughs> now Bean
1: says he's turned Bean. down I've turned down stuff because it's all become par yeah. for the course he told the son I've said audiences know my character's gonna die because <laughs> I'm yeah. in it I just had to cut that out and start surviving otherwise it was all a bit predictable Bean is known for betraying Ned Stark in the first series of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Ned meets his untimely demise with his head being chopped off in the season's, season's penultimate episode. Elsewhere in The Fellowship of the Ring his character Boromir is pelted with arrows and in GoldenEye his character Alec Trevelyan perishes after being thrown off a tower by Bond. Some of Bean's other memorable on-screen deaths have seen him ripped apart by horses in Black Death, impaled on an anchor in Patriot Games and forced off a
0: cliff by cattle in the field. So by the way like spoilers for about 12 <laughs> movies. <laughs> spoilers for Sean Bean's entire catalog. I'm going to go home and watch Sean Bean's entire filmography. But
1: first got to crack on the first Just 20 minutes of the watch, beef boys. Watch
0: everyone, but stop at the point at which he <laughs> dies. <laughs> Just go, go to the next
1: one. A Don't Kill Sean Bean social media campaign was launched in 2012, urging casting agents to stay away from killing him off on screen.
0: 2012? <laughs> Fuck off.
1: Bean stars in a new- news. <laughs> Sean Bean stars in a new wartime miniseries, <laughs> World on ooh, Fire, ooh. which premieres on BBC One September 20th. <laughs> 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 Has anyone shod, shod, told told me what war is? Yeah.
0: Which war? That's very important. <laughs> Which battles? I'm Good here. shit.
1: Is Good it Normandy? Uh, well, There's not much of a news story
0: there. Hold on. <laughs> 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 hey, hey um, Rupert Murdoch over here.
1: Might <laughs> <laughs> finish on this last week. <laughs> Yeah, oh, three hundred thousand at a climate march. Oh no, uh, boy! One. Uh, Shout out to anyone who went to any <laughs>
0: of the climate marches over the weekend. You fucking rock! Yeah, you, we'll we'll bury that twenty five minutes
1: in. Just <laughs> um, yeah. How's this? Uh, might finish with this one. The original creator of Rambo says he's embarrassed to be associated with the new Rambo Last Blood film
0: coming out. So Uh-oh. <laughs> that's like Arnie saying, uh, this Terminator's not very good. <laughs> yeah. the fil-
1: Shit. The film is a mess, he says. Right. The author and creator of the original Rambo book and film says he feels embarrassed that his character is associated with Rambo Last Blood, the latest movie in the Sylvester Stallone with franchise.
0: With Rambo? Fuck, I thought you were talking about Rocky. No, Rambo. With Rambo? mm what was there to be proud of about Rambo? I don't know. It's just a dude who shoots a gun and wears a bandana. <laughs> I, uh, like I get that the film is a mess, but
1: speaking of Newsweek, David Morrell, this guy, continued his criticism, saying, "I felt degraded and dehumanized after I left the theater." Jesus, <laughs> dude, <Christ. laughs> dude, sounds like he spent Had three a tough time. <laughs> dude sounds like he spent three months in the theater being fed raw rice and water. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit. You just want to instead of being soulful, this new movie lacks one. I felt I was less a human being for having seen it, and that's today that's an unfortunate message. Yo The film is typical of ultraviolet 1970s exploitation grindhouse films, the technique of which Rambo Last Blood resembles. The sets here look cheap, the direction is awkward, Rambo could be called John Smith and the film wouldn't change. It assumes the audience is familiar with Rambo's background, whereas anyone under forty will wonder what on earth is going on with those tunnels. (laughs)
0: damn great love the idea of a theater full of millennials just being like what's with the tunnels (laughs) I don't even know what he's talking about have you seen Rambo no (laughs) I've never seen Rambo (laughs) maybe they introduced tunnels in (laughs) Rambo 4 I don't know I think Rambo's based in like the Vietnam War or something oh I don't even know but I
1: have no idea no I don't know I just know it feels like it's another one of the 80s cheeseball action movies I want to go in on at some point Terminator and Alien and fucking uh predator and right like.
0: all of which are sci-fi yeah who's uh, the who's yeah. the enemy in Rambo <laughs> <laughs> I <Enemy>. bet <laughs> it's Southeast Asians. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <Yeah>. Um <laughs> 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 well,
1: if we launch be launching a bit of be a beefness or pleasure. Hell yeah. That's the news done. A beefness or pleasure. Of course the uh the segment where each week Andrew and I uh chill out.
0: Tuck, uh, tuck smack ourselves your lips like that t- t- in the segment intro <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> tuck ourselves in under the covers kiss each other goodnight suck each other off pop on a bit of Steely Dan and uh, lay back with a, with a white Russian or two um, but when we're not doing that when we're not enjoying ourselves and having some pleasurable time off we are preparing extensive and rigorous notes on a new film every week of course the film we're doing later in the episode is Ad Astra stay tuned for our dissertation on that Brad but in the meantime <laughs> we will let you know what we've been up to in terms of consuming other little movies and things. Yeah. Andrew, I know you don't have very much in the way of three pages of detailed <laughs> notes. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd sort of segue into it. I had been watching the Hot Ones YouTube interview series for a little while. That does not count. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf was <laughs> okay. on screen this week, and his episode is so
0: good. Um, it's television.
1: But One of those YouTube interview shows where they have some sort of gimmick to... Liven the show up a bit, but the dude that does the interview, Sean Evans, is a really good interviewer. Yeah, if you um, don't know what Holman's
0: is fuck yeah, you. Whatever. Look it up. <laughs> um,
1: Shia-, Shia LaBeouf's episode is really great this week, and he's reminded me that he has a couple movies coming out this year that look fantastic. That uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, I think, is one of them, mm. and the other one is Honey Boy. Both of which, oh man, Shia LaBeouf, he really impressed me with his interview and like how articulately he was talking about. I think like, he's a cool dude. He's so I, cool. Yeah, I think Like,
0: I think he got made fun of for trying shit. Yeah. in a stage where it was cool to make fun of people for trying mm. shit, and I hate that.
1: Yeah, well, he um, <laughs> I had like a newfound respect for him watching this interview, because like, the interviewer was talking about, like, all right, you're famous for being fucking crazy, so let's pitch you some of these crazy things, and you explain like what's going on. And he was like, what about the time where someone said that, oh, <laughs> where there was a news story out that you knocked out Tom Hardy in a hotel room? And he was like, oh, no, no, what happened there was <laughs> Tom Hardy and I were doing a movie together, and he was really jacked because he was Bane. Getting ready for Bane, yeah. and we were also like we had fun like screwing with each other, and so we'd like you know surprise tackle each other to the ground and wrestle and all that. And so there was one time I was in my hotel and I actually had a girl over at the time. And he didn't know that. So he busted in and crash-tackled me, and we started wrestling. And, of course, the girls start screaming and covering up, and I'm there wrestling, and I'm totally naked while I'm wrestling Tom Hardy. And so, of course, I'm annoyed that he's getting the better of me while I'm fucking naked. And in the middle of the wrestle, he Tom Hardy accidentally fell backwards down the stairs and hurt himself. Down the stairs? <laughs> yeah. In a hotel? <laughs> or out into the foyer or whatever. Right. Uh, and he said, so he just decided to say that I knocked him out because it was easier right, than saying to we were naked wrestling. <laughs> Was rooting,
0: <laughs> Tom Hardy busted in,
1: yeah. But there was like four more stories like that. where he's like, no, what happened there was yeah. <laughs> really worth going in on, and it makes me really want to watch these new movies because they sound fucking great.
0: I just look back on like yeah, any of the stuff that's been like memified in the last yeah. like five years, and just think like he. It seems it seems like he was just trying to do something <laughs> well, and take himself kind of seriously. The do it, do it thing. That was an audition um, tape for something. No, no, right? no,
1: that was an art installation where they deliberately they deliberately created stuff. To be memefied, right? There was some art installation where um, people, it everyone participating, in it could suggest things for him to do on the green screen, and he would do it. And they opened it to play in the background for whatever experimental thing it was. Right. And they were like, "How do we make? The, how how would how do we create like a template for people to be creative with? And we'll just upload it to the internet, and people can do whatever they want with it, and it can be viral."
2: Yeah, um,
0: see that's that's cool. It's he's really just, cool. Like devoting his time to that. He seems such like such a wholesome dude. I feel like people are people start making fun of him because they took that thing seriously. Yeah. And he's like, No, that's yeah. I was experimenting. I was doing yeah. art shit. I was Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He seems like a bit of a I think he's also done a bunch of like risque films and like pretty art house cinema. So yeah. I I think he's pretty tuned in. Yeah, he and, seemed like a really um, cool
1: and he was talking about like um uh, different like texts on acting and like div- the different schools of acting and yeah. uh, are you sort of uh, this kind of guy or this kind of guy and uh, really interesting stuff makes me want to go in on his new movies that are coming out uh, very soon yeah I
0: think you got to find like even the ones that he's done in the last few years yeah. but like ones that didn't get like general cinematic releases or whatever yeah Um ones that were critically acclaimed
1: yeah Um what do you go in on this week boy I know you've got a few things you got a quick I've little whistle stop tour of I've, some
0: stuff you did I've been a busy little fucker Clarice <laughs> um I did not watch (laughs) Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) Clearly. I went and saw a documentary uh, called Memory Origins of Alien at the Ark Cinema here in Canberra uh, Uh because I missed out on seeing uh, Alien on 35mm because it was sold out by the time I bought tickets. Damn. But I bet that would have been great. Anyway, so this was basically an extended documentary like making of feature. Um, It was sort of, it looked at a bunch of different most famous scenes uh they interviewed ridley scott was not in it um so they didn't exactly interview him but they interviewed a bunch of different people like the editor and a bunch of the production crew and whatever they looked at a shitload of like the artistic influences so like um not just hr geiger's work and a few other artists that contributed to the art direction but also like things like uh what insects um influenced films that got made into like 50s and 60s sci-fi movies that then influenced this. Yeah, piece. cool. Like, it borrows really heavily from a bunch of different movies. Um, you said H.R. Giger. Is that like a dude who wrote a book that this was based on or something? H.R. Giger is the artist that basically, if you Google his art, it comes up with what looks like pictures of Alien. Oh, this is this um, penis guy? Yeah, so he yeah. did a lot of like <laughs> psychosexual horror artwork. Um, no, we don't have to clarify. I think "penis guy" is pretty clear. <laughs> it looks—it's uh, <laughs> it, really interesting and like basically the way that that they—the writer wrote the script for Alien, and he wrote the first thirty pages, and he was living with his buddy at the time. And his buddy—he couldn't get past the point where they went down onto the planet and found the eggs. And he was living with his housemate, and one day the housemate bursts into the room and he's like, "I've got it! I've got how they're going to get aboard the spaceship, and the alien's going to get on board." And the guy's like, "Okay," and he's like, "It fucks him," and the guy's like. <laughs> What? And he's what? like, it like sucks onto his face and it fucks him and it lays an egg in him. <laughs> and that's actually kind of what happened, I guess. Um, and so, like, yeah, there's like... The you had another 80s
1: movie that was obviously written on crap.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, like, when they were looking at what kind of creature, what the creature should look like that was capable of that sort of thing, um, the script writer... Uh, knew of H.R. Geiger's art and he said this is what the creature should kind of look like this is the influence and then Fox (laughs) brought him on and then they actually looked at his work and he's like oh this is too fucked up fire (laughs) this dude (laughs) so they fired him and then that was when the budget was like a million dollars and then the script kept getting pushed further up yeah. And so it was like, oh, now Ridley Scott's directing it and the budget is $10 million. By the way, Alien was made on a budget of like $10 million, which is not a lot. Yeah. Um. That's that's pretty low. You have
1: to find that alien and build a spaceship. Yeah. And,
0: and so he was trying to get the design of the alien right and they just couldn't land on anything that was like as threatening <laughs> and, and <laughs> fucked up as well, they were. Like, Fine, and so the we'll write it back down to banner. It <laughs> was like kind of slid H.R. Gagas Artbook in front of Ridley Scott and Ridley Scott was like, oh, that's that's it. Yeah, And so he was, like, apparently in boardrooms being like, this is what it's going to be. And they were like, well, okay, we're happy to get the artist back in and, like, talk about it. And he was like, this is... This is what it's going to be. <laughs> um, so it was cool seeing some of that process. Also, Ridley Scott is an amazing artist. He storyboards all of his work himself, and it looks cool. really great. So what, like he you sketches you it himself? But yeah, he's yeah, like yeah.
1: creatively involved. in
0: Yeah, he sketches his own storyboards, and he's oh, that's a great, cool. great little like sketch artist, which is cool.
1: That reminds me, was it on this pod that we did when we did Predator that we talked about what the original Predator costume looked like? Yeah, and it's this and big it's fucking, goofy fucking as like, hell. red lobster thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Concept art for
1: sci-fi that that is <laughs> fucked. Yeah, that's cool. So. That, did they have much like on screen? What I really dig is like I, when we did the thing. I watched the making of for the thing, and I really liked the, like seeing them write, like make the models, and like showing you like the set that's in the Arctic and then it zooms out and it's like the Arctic in the middle of a lawn in California and it's it's cool to sort of see the props and see the making of shit from the movie a little bit out of context and so get a greater picture There there wasn't a
0: whole lot of that type of stuff other than I mean there actually was heaps of that and if you're interested in that for Alien this is one of the best I think probably one of the best sources because there was heaps I'll pick one moment out that I really liked I I feel like this might be folklore so maybe people have heard it already but (laughs) the scene where John Hurt gets like chest bursted um they, there's this is, like John Heard, is it? Yeah. Fucking hell. I've only known he was like an old dude. Yeah, no. And he looks pretty young in this too. There's this big myth that the crew and cars didn't know what was going to happen, and that's why they were so shocked. They knew what was going to happen, because there's no way that they wouldn't know. <laughs> but what they didn't <laughs> just know... Just focus on the chest didn't keep up with the changes. Right. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen, and right. they didn't know just how much blood there was going to be. Oh, So... Their reaction was actually the third take of all the right. thing bursting through John Hurt's <laughs> chest. Well, <because laughs> they did the cleanup. Because <laughs> the first two times it didn't come through the shirt. And so they had to like reset everything and do it again. But they still hadn't seen what the alien right. actually looked like. That's right. And really so cool. the third time when it bursts through, that's they, like, f- they all saw it for the first time. Oh, even the cast as well. Yeah, the cast. Oh, right. And <laughs> so... That I going to
1: say, like, I don't give a fuck if the camera guy hadn't no, seen no, it No, 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 no. I
0: prefer it c- if the camera guy <laughs> had seen it before. No, the, the cast. Yeah, okay. But um, the other thing about that scene is that they got heaps of offal and raspberry juice. And the raspberry juice is a lot, obviously. <laughs> but the all of it cooked in a stew under intense hot studio lights for, like, an entire day. <laughs> And they gave oh, it, they gave them the awful in, formal, Why in awful? formaldehyde. Why? Because it looked like parts of the inside of John Hurt. Oh, so basically, man. the crew walked on a set. John Hurt was there with like his oh. body double thing, and it was just the most rancid, <laughs> gag-inducing smell. Oh, like, bet
1: you don't know what's going to happen that, now. Yeah,
0: that all of them had to deal with the whole time. So <laughs> I think that's an interesting thing. If you think about like the smell of that scene was just like kind of like half-cooked entrails. <laughs> it's really messed up. With
1: the awful lot itself, it would be like, fine, like, maybe I could deal but with like, that. But then the together with the raspberry yeah. and the sweet sugar, and oh. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ.
0: My favorite quote from the whole thing was... Um, uh, one of the guys I can't remember what his no, job Alien was sorry no Alien is sold out I don't care he was, he, was like, he was like an editor or something um, and he was like there was a lot of studio concern that it was 45 minutes before anything happens <laughs> before the uh, face hugger hits John Hurt in the old uh, the old visage <laughs> <laughs> I <don't like>
1: that. <laughs> I'm gonna use that every day from now on wonderful <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, so that was good. I'd recommend that if you're into that type of shit. I watched a couple of things that I'll really briefly touch on because I don't think they're particularly worth watching. Freaks is a movie that's out in cinemas at the moment. It's an incredibly low-budget picture. The reason I went to see it is because I heard the director talking about it on a podcast that I listened to. This was one of his passion projects, and he wrote it with the screenwriter who is a long-time collaborator of his. The idea of the script when they started writing it was that they wanted something that they could bring to film festivals that they could, in theory, film with a budget of zero dollars. It's uh, basically. I, w- I only w- I ever
1: watch d- movies written by or done by people who've got something to do with the Kim Possible movie.
2: So, Great.
0: Well, unless you're in luck, <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, the director also directed the Kim Possible live action <laughs> adaptation. So, um, th- this one is basically like a bit of X Men, a bit of like home invasion story, a bit of um, the main character is a very young girl, like seven years old. Her dad keeps her locked in the house. And if she, he's like, never look outside, never look outside, never look outside. (laughs) Don't even open the blinds. She she looks outside and like she sees this (laughs) ice cream truck out the front with this old man in it, and so like she goes to explore. Uh, And it's one of those things where the plot starts off really mysterious, and then when you actually kind of find out what's going on, it's like, oh, I guess it's interesting. But the better parts of the film are before it's revealed. Kind of like a quiet place. Yes, and it's it's suffers from a similar thing where I feel like so about three quarters of the way through this movie it becomes clear to me that they had the budget to do visual effects and bigger set-piece stuff because they yeah. eventually got a, f- a budget of a million dollars. And right. so I think a lot of that went to VFX. Right. And it feels like a much stronger movie when they're really constrained by not being able to do that kind right, of shit. Because okay. then there's like sort of soldiers and missiles and stuff and it's like, this is boring now, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but the bits where the daughter is um, locked in the house with the dad, that's really cool. It's got um, <laughs> the guy who uh, plays the male... Uh, 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 Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Manson children, um, Jay. Yeah, yeah Jay? He's, he's an actor, yeah. Yeah, he's... Uh, Emil Hirsch is his name, but he plays the father in this movie, and he's very good. He's, okay. It's a good performance. So I wouldn't recommend going and seeing it because it's just a little project movie. You and wouldn't? No, I don't think it's... I mean, like, support small-scale cinema. It's good that they made this thing, but... Did you enjoy it? It was a net positive, but, like, just... Right, okay. just an a positive. Not so worth, I wouldn't what, recommend it unless you... Not tracking you're, it down and shit. Yeah. Maybe yeah. buy it on iTunes or whatever. But yeah, oh, yeah. I wouldn't... It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty low budget. Um the way that they so this g- the girl can teleport and the way that they do the teleporting is that she doesn't know how she can use her powers. so she thinks she's still in her room but she's actually teleported elsewhere so because they're constrained by the budget they actually just get all of the actors in the new place that she's in to be in her room with her but they're <laughs> acting like she's just appeared in their room and so they're like what the fuck are you doing here and she's like this is my room and it's clear that she's actually transported herself out of that but she doesn't understand but it's the what's same happening room. Right, so it's a, it's a, it's clever about its depictions of like her use of her abilities and stuff. Okay, that sounds like you
1: have to be there to understand what the fuck
0: you're talking about. Yeah, it's just that yeah, it's it's interesting seeing a seven year old like not quite understand what's going on. Is it a good child um, actor then? Yes, actually, yeah, the performances are pretty good. That's
1: always good. Uh, uh, actually, yeah. you reminded me of. Have you seen the movie Room? Not the Room, but Room. The, no, I have With pre and the kid. Yeah, that's a fucking great movie. Yeah, and the kid in that is brilliant mm. absolutely brilliant um, that movie as well actually funnily enough is about a mother and a mother and a kid who are trapped in a room
0: yeah 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 um, well as, as I said this is a little more of like a sci-fi thing where um, yeah it's sort of x-men and it, it basically does the race war thing where like oh, they're dangerous oh we got to kill them all so,
1: Oh, my, yeah. my, my thing doesn't have a race war
0: yeah um, <laughs> so yeah that was it I saw the farewell. Which is that film that's out at the moment that's very highly really? critically acclaimed? Aquafina. It's got Aquafina in it. Yep. Um, so, the basic premise of this film is that a Chinese American family finds out that their grandmother is dying, or Aquafina's <laughs> a- o- grandmother is dying. Right. And apparently, and I assume this is true because it's based on a true story. It's customary in China. They've got this expression where it's like the cancer doesn't kill someone; the fear kills them. So they don't tell someone when they're diagnosed with like terminal cancer until they sort of absolutely have to. So the premise of the film is that they... Is it like,
1: oh, you're sick with something else?
0: Yeah, it's like it's bronchitis or whatever, and it's like, she's got lung cancer and they know, but no one tells <laughs> her. crazy. It seems crazy for us, but the <laughs> way that, that they talk, that's part of the You'd film. Be like, because no, you're
1: surprised. About 50 different <laughs>
0: illnesses Awkwafina's make your hair fall <laughs> character's, um, uh characters grown up in America. And so, like, a bunch of the movie is about the ethical dilemma of, like, her western ideals saying that you should be honest with someone and tell them that. And then the Eastern ideal saying it's, there's no point in telling them because they don't, they shouldn't have to bear that burden any longer than they need to. And yeah. um, Yeah. And, and sort of this idea of like, she did the same thing and yeah, it's uh it's, it's an interesting story. It's very like, it's like peak indie movie. Um, there's a lot of like quite nice shots in it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I feel like this is the thing. This is the movie where you know how everyone said Crazy Rich Asians was doing really positive social work. I think I said sure. that as well. But then at the end of the day, it was just a gross money porn movie. <laughs> this is what this is what that was trying to do, right? In um, terms
1: of like getting like Asian culture into a mainstream. Yeah, Hollywood like movie, genuine
0: storytelling, a, a great reflection of the experience of particularly Chinese American, but also like just Chinese culture in
1: general. I, I missed where you said it was a. Like hot, ha- like a drama comedy or not? Is it just it a is, drama? Yeah, it's a
0: drama comedy. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty funny uh, at a lot of points. Um, the premise, sorry, it's a funny premise. They so, so the family <laughs> organizes this uh, basically fake wedding between a young cousin of Aquafina's and his like. Uh, girlfriend who he's been dating for three months from japan Fuck neither yeah. of them speak any chinese so they have to like <laughs> basically go through all of these like chinese customs around the wedding and this dude is like fucking clueless and his girlfriend is even more clueless why, why does it <laughs> so, have to be
1: a fake wedding
0: so that they have an excuse to all be around each other again because it's like the, the grandma last time they'll all cancer, get to spend time you're right because right. the grandma does and so they they need to like say goodbye that's why it's the farewell
1: Oh, uh, um, I literally just got that.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, so it, it's 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 a good movie. I would recommend this one. I really enjoyed it. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. And then the last one that I watched is The Wailing, which is a Korean film. Uh, it's on Netflix. I would highly, highly recommend it. We got some flack uh, from friend of the show, Anna, uh, because we like Ari Aster, and apparently he's a fucking hack. <laughs> he doesn't know how to make horror films. Um, I think part of the reason why a horror film is a horror film is because it's scary, and I think our is scary. Nah. But um, The Wailing is uh, this story about a uh, police officer in a regional south... Sorry, and
1: this is a horror movie? This is right, a horror
0: okay. movie. <laughs> it wasn't just
1: a drive-by on Treasured Listener Arno <laughs> before we talk <laughs> about <laughs> some other fucking Korean... <laughs> Korean comedy, <laughs> The Wailing.
0: <laughs> no, it's a horror movie. Um, it's got the same uh, cinematographer as Burning.
1: Please keep giving us feedback. We it's promise we great. won't ridicule
0: you. It's directed by uh, the director that directed The Host, which is a very famous Korean monster movie. Okay. It was very good. Yeah, it's about a, a a regional town in South Korea that ends up, like, people start getting sick and they um, kind of go crazy and, like, sort of start killing people, like, their family. Right. Uh, and it turns out that, like... When, you're, when they're trying to find out what's making them sick, it's a lot more complicated than they think um, with some sort of supernatural themes woven through it. It's a really good movie. It's one of those ones that does the thing that I love where the thing that is... It's not a thing movie, so there's not one specific thing that's scary, but when there are terrifying moments it's because the thing that's terrifying is not afraid of the viewer's presence at all and doesn't bother to hide. It's just there in plain sight, and if anything, like the viewer is the thing that hides from it. Right. Um, so it's it's got a lot of like very intimidating presences on screen that are really scary. I watched this starting at 11pm at night, which
2: is an <laughs> awful mistake. Brilliant.
0: Great idea. Uh, yeah, it's a, a great movie. It looks fantastic. The setting is really good. All of the writing is fantastic great the performances are all fantastic i'd highly recommend it it's definitely one of the best horror movies i've ever seen scary then yeah points really really unnerving um i watched a lot of it through like just my eyes almost shut because i didn't <laughs> want a jump scare to come out but it wasn't really a jump scare movie it was just fucking scary oh um, cool I'll go in on, that on top of that it had a really compelling storyline it wasn't just about trying to scare you um, there's <laughs> like I, the I, there's a l-
1: half of the Stephen King stories I've ever heard are like um, family move to a house in the middle of nowhere with a creepy graveyard in the backyard.
0: No, it's like yeah, <laughs> the, the, this dude is trying to solve. They're they're trying to stop the spread of this illness. Yeah, um, and yeah, the wailing is the I guess like the title because of the screaming that people do when they're grieving. It's um, it's a it's a good movie. Uh, yeah, really good movie. Um, cool. Yeah, I'd recommend that. I enjoyed that. I would recommend it.
1: Uh, so that's probably the the highlight of the three of them. Bruh, 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 bruh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that or
0: farewell. I think so. Um, yeah, both of them are great. I would uh, Memory Origins of Aliens uh, Alien is good if you're looking to learn more about that um, because it's pretty good insight. And Freaks, I just think is like a super low budget. It, fine, it's imp- it's really impressive what they did with what they had, but I don't think that makes it worth people's time, really.
1: Well, you've said... The interesting thing about that is you keep saying... You're not saying it's good or bad. You're just saying, oh, you know, it's low budget. But then you also said you thought the most interesting and best parts of the movie were when they were constrained by their low budget. Yeah.
0: I feel like a studio picked them up and told them, like, you got to do more interesting stuff. Where are the explosions? Where's the action? And so they, like... It's all, all of that stuff is in the tail end of the movie, so I, I don't know if they'd shot sort of a like, bunch of oh, it. Make a better ending or whatever. Yeah, a and then they were like, we'll, "We'll give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a VFX studio to make it look like a Hellfire missiles coming at this house." Yeah, it's, okay. yeah, and also like none of that stuff is particularly convincing either. <laughs> well, all,
1: all I mean is, it sounded like you were being dismissive of it by saying, "Yeah, but you know, it's just a low budget movie." But then you also said the best bits were the low budget bits. It's low so budget. It's like, what do you want from
0: it? It's low budget, and I think that will grate on people. But if it were low budget the whole time, I think it would be a great little project movie. Right. But it's because it, tri- it has greater aspirations Ooh. and then can't necessarily follow through. So, it just starts feeling like... What it starts feeling like at the end is cheap boo movie sci-fi. Okay, right. But well, until that point, it feels like what they're doing is really innovative and creative.
1: Yeah. Well, having two different elements of the movie that almost juxtapose each other where one thing is of extremely good quality and the other is of extremely poor quality, reminds me of the movie we did this week. Right, great. Swish. So, uh, Ad Astra is a 2019 sci-fi film, as we mentioned at the top of the show. It's directed by James Gray and written by James Gray and Ethan Gross. (laughs) Initially, I thought that it was a little strange that this was the guy doing this sort of space sci-fi movie because the biggest movies he's done to date are The Immigrant Lovers like like, (laughs) dramas and like yeah he's done like nothing yeah like The Lost City of Z I don't know what that is (laughs) yeah Um, so to have I mean I suppose it's great that he's got a film coming out that's finally getting some big buzz and a reasonable amount of critical acclaim yeah so the short three sentence synopsis is I'm gonna count <laughs> um it's 1 It's set in the near future and earth is being hit by very strong radioactive radiation type pulses which are causing large <laughs> electrical <So many> d- linking <laughs> words <laughs> which are causing large electrical disturbances all over the planet that oh, are oh come on <laughs> <laughs> that are leading to large scale destruction and death. That's sentence one. That's a lot
2: <laughs> I like God, this game. God you really <laughs> fucking stretched it. <laughs> I really like this game.
1: Um Brad Pitt plays a very accomplished Air Force slash astronaut guy who works on like a large space station thing. And they find out that he has a familial connection with members of the crew that got sent out on a long voyage spacecraft that sort of got stuck and lost around Neptune. The Ligma Project. The Ligma... <laughs> What's... uh? <laughs> what is it? It's not the, lig- the Ligma Project. <laughs> Fuck it. It's the Ligma Project. <laughs> um... And they work out, oh, these ra- these ra- radiation pulses are probably coming from this lost spaceship, which had this fancy radiation thing as its <laughs> energy source. If that's radiating out all of a sudden, maybe one of those people is still alive. They've been out there for 15 years. Brad Pitt, you've got to send a message to them to ask them, like, what's going on? Is anyone still alive? Do we have to send out a rescue mission? Stop sending out these fucking radioactive blasts from Neptune. Right, right. Um, that sentence too, but I think you use a lot of semicolons. No, I stopped counting the sentences. I'm pro- I've probably gone over my limit. Yeah, noticed. <laughs> Just, um, so that's the vague plot of the movie. Um, for, <laughs> and the plot does become quite vague and very hard to justify. Like, why does Brad Pitt have to go on this mission? Because I think we're going to get straight out of the gate and say I think we both agree that this movie looks spectacular. Visually, it's stunning. But from a writing perspective... Everything past the actual premise, garbage. It's absolute garbage. Garbage. Scene to scene, all of the the dialogue is terrible. There is very little actual dialogue in a lot of the scenes, and it's instead replaced by this like Brad Pitt internal monologue slash narration, where it's never quite clear whether it's happening in the moment or whether he's retroactively narrating it. So like the timeline for the narration is all fucked up you and I saw it with friend of the show Zach, who is of course, a guest for our Avengers episode, And we were all talking about how it reminded us a lot of the famous theatrical cut of Blade Runner. The one that's on Netflix, tragically. Oh, really? Yeah. Fuck Right, so the theatrical cut that I suppose is the one on Netflix was the one that was tampered with by the studios because Ridley Scott turned in what he wanted for the movie and they said, oh, this is kind of too complicated and smart. No one's going to get this. And so they have Harrison Ford basically like explaining the whole plot in voiceover as it happens. I felt sad. Yeah, literally. And this shit like that actually happens in this movie like where there'll be a fight scene and uh, Brad Pitt will go, he's dead and that made me
0: feel sad yeah. <laughs> for killing a man yeah. <laughs> or, or like i'd never killed anyone before and it really made me think about me and killing him a man and <laughs> killing a man and i was thinking about how it could consume me as a person and yeah. corrupt so, my spirit yeah
1: so the film is this long journey that Brad Pitt has to go on i suppose if i had to justify it because the film sure as shit didn't or didn't in any more than like a passing sentence that made no sense. Um, The idea is... NASA doesn't want to like not NASA. what do They call, they could literally call it Space Command. <laughs> uh, NASA is it, called yeah. Space Command, not like the military center for. Did we the say that the control film garbage? of garbage? It's so stupid.
0: Um, he, he so space. C- they could have said Space Force, which is at least the thing that they're doing, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> not NASA. Space Command. Fuck me. Um, sends Brad Pitt to the Mars base, which is first <laughs> they go to the moon. The moon, yeah, right. Uh, and then eventually they have to send him to this Mars base because they don't want to let on the fact that they know the source of these radioactive blasts. And more importantly, they don't they don't want to let on that like it's their own fucked up mission that He's might basically... be causing these blasts. So they have to. Go, he has to go to like a a secure military site to broadcast this transmission, this this message to this potentially lost, malfunctioning spaceship in Neptune. And they said, well, if you go to the Mars base, it's the furthest base out we have. It's a secure signal. No one can intercept it between here and there. You're fine.
0: Yeah. And he's kept on like a need-to-know basis. Yeah,
1: exactly. It, yeah. And so he's like, oh, you got to travel on a s- secret like passenger like, ships from here to Mars. It really so messed that's... with
0: me that they kept me on a need-to-know basis. But yeah. <laughs> I suppose if I don't need to know, then why should I know? <laughs> I had a rough childhood. <laughs> it's like direct exposition his And then his, his mom character. kicked down
1: the door and said, you had a rough childhood. Fuck me! I'll let you say something in a moment. Uh, I no. thought that the most interesting part and the most the best bit about this movie was all the visuals. A lot of very interstellar style. Because um, he's in space, right? <laughs> Star Wars greatly Interstellar grade, Star Wars grade special
0: effects. I don't think Star Wars is the right. I, I, you, you and Zach both leveled that comparison. I think that's wrong because I think Star Wars is very cartoonish and bright and interesting, and I think that's not what this movie was. So going it's more for. like The Martian. It's Interstellar, more like, yeah. Definitely. Interstellar
1: or The Martian in terms of like it looks like it's filmed in space. A lot of
0: like a lot of harsh colors. It was Interstellar. It was Blade Runner. The gravity Gravity, exactly. But nothing in like <laughs> nothing with energy or <laughs> like
1: No, yeah, and so yeah. visually though, this movie was stunning. Yeah. Um the music was really good That's as well. Right. I thought I thought score was quite good. Um so here's the here's the thing. The cinematographer on this movie, Hoyt van Hoytema, um has worked on the following films as a cinematographer in the last few years. Great. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Okay. Her Ooh. Interstellar Spectre Dunkirk, and he's working on Tenet as well. So he's Christopher Nolan's bitch, yep. and he's also done a couple of movies that I think we we'll both agree.
0: Interstellar is the most interstellar, significant there, obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> which makes us feel like this guy's like,
1: oh, I need someone that can do uh, uh, the old- <laughs> yes, space movies.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, wish he'd done a writer that could do space movies.
1: Damn. And so I think the most interesting part of that, along with their shots, I personally found was the insight into what life is like in this w- near future they've set up. So it's enough in the future that there is like a like a moon tourism thing, well t- like
0: tourism space flight.
1: Yeah, so Virgin has rockets with like flight in- in-flight meal services and stuff, where pass- just normal civilians can go on trips to the moon, and then the moon is like this this heartbreaking shopping mall... International airport. International airport thing on the moon. What did you think of all that? I thought a lot of that stuff was really cool.
0: Yeah, I think that was also the only bit where it sort of did really flesh out this near future world. Yeah. Um, Basically, once they get past the moon, um, it's all... All bets are off and it just takes place in its own universe that could be at any point in time, really. Yeah, I suppose so. Because the Mars stuff is also abstracted. It's basically built out of concrete and then anything after that (laughs) takes place predominantly actually in space on a craft. So it's like, well, this could have been whenever. Yeah,
1: I liked a lot of the world building stuff. Like in Mars, they had like passport control on Mars Mm. with like uh, someone checking them in and they had like Mars camouflage and so all the co- they, someone was clearly having a lot of fun with the set design and the costume design and the vehicles.
0: I I liked it at the time, but in hindsight, I think that's really all that there was, was that's like what like the, yeah, the yeah. little those little tiny little allusions to basically like logos on the moon. And beyond that, it was like immediately heartbreaking, as you said, that there was a, this international thing that had already. And actually, Brad Pitt's character says something over the top of it that's like, "This is what we do." where expansive capitalists, where he calls us world eaters, in, yeah. it, in his exposition while the shit's on screen. Like, <laughs> yeah, bro, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I think that, yeah, like th- that would have been more effective if he'd said something a little bit like
1: that earlier on in the movie, where it was like a bit of an innocuous statement. If you have then you get to the moon. say it, yeah. yeah. But just don't. Just don't <laughs> say it. it. It's like it pops up on screen and there's like a subway and a Denny's on the moon and he's like... How shit's this? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Pancakes on the Moon can fuck my ass. It's really uh, over the top and on the nose. It feels condescending.
1: All the dialogue and everything. There's so much exposition and
0: bullshit. In exactly the same way that the Blade Runner theatrical cut was poorly received. um, I think this by rights should be because it treats its audience like they're fucking idiots. Yeah. and I don't understand.
1: This has got a huge amount of critical acclaim and I have no idea why. Yeah. It's such a dumb movie and I think the problem is that everything else about it is so good but then the writing is... Like the concept I think even is good. They just need like a good, a good screenwriter to actually turn in a cool script. Like it sounds like someone had a great a great concept and then didn't touch the script
0: after that. Well, this is the thing. It was written by James Gray, the director, and this guy called Ethan Gross and neither of them have done anything. So I just think it was like first draft bullshit and it felt extremely first draft because it was like, okay, this fucking uh, spoiler alert kind of Lunar chase scene can just go because it's shit.
1: I listened to a critic that was talking about how that almost felt like it was directed by two different people. Yeah, literally, yes. Because half of the movie feels like quite a, a slow brooding drama, almost like first man
0: or like yep. the
1: slower more emotional bits in Interstellar.
0: Well, yeah, Claire, Claire Denis High Life um, right. which you haven't seen but I we have talked watched about is, is last week, a, yeah. A, a very comparable sensation of like claustrophobia, right. strange colors and otherworldliness to the ships.
1: And then yeah, and then the other half feels like dumb cheesy uh, like Star Warsy action type right. shit and where like there's again, a scene it looks
0: amazing it looks incredible but well, the whole time you're just like what am I what is hap- mm. what is going on well that's the thing where it just feels so poorly fleshed out like
1: it tells you that's the thing I feel like one of the main problems we were talking about this at the bar after the movie was just the idea that like in Apocalypse Now uh, the is it it is Francis Ford Coppola Francis Coppler, Ford or is Vietnam War movie. 59 and a half hour film. That's a very, it's very similar in plot where they're looking for um, someone who's potentially gone crazy, has been away from the military for a long time, and they go down the river and they make all these seemingly innocuous stops where they sort of seem to be wandering aimlessly for two and a half hours, but it gives you this general sensation and this general tone of the world that they're stuck in, and in this case the war zone that they're stuck in, and it's this journey into the character's mind and the character's madness, and the more you watch him, you're not quite sure what he's about, and it's kind of a mystery as to what Martin Sheen's character in Apocalypse Now wants and what he's thinking. And so you watch him going through these seemingly innocuous, weird, unrelated events. And it's almost like a window into his own mind because you get to watch him
0: react to everything. And also things slowly escalate around him. And yeah. it's a bit like a frog in hot water of like, so, the more shit that he sees, the less he realizes how much everything yeah. around him is messed so, up. So this
1: has a bit of that, and I can see what it was going for. But I think the main problem is it literally very specifically articulates like basically straight to camera who Brad Pitt is, what his emotional problems are, what his dark traumatic past is that he wants to resolve, and exactly what he wants to do to be able to resolve it. Like there are these, there's this mechanic in the film where all the characters, all the astronauts that have to go to space, they talk to this AI, and the AI is like a is like psychoanalyzing it's
0: psychological it. appraisals, yeah. Uh, So they psych test him to make sure... And actually, I didn't realize until uh, a reviewer pointed this out, but the reason why he has to go through those regular psych testings, he has to have one at every major milestone of the mission... To allow him to progress to the next mission. (laughs) To explain the plot. Right. And that would be a fine little thing. In fact, it could have been set up to be really cool that every single one of these psych tests became increasingly difficult for him. But it doesn't happen. They just sort of, every now and then, he just is in this room doing one of these things. And you're like, oh yeah, he's got to do that thing again, I guess. And it's a Mm -hmm. bit of a chore. And then he fails one. Spoiler alert, I guess. Which is like this... Really, in terms of the storyline, it's massive that he fails that. Yeah. Because, one... He's the
1: the cool, calm, collected, Clint Eastwood never loses his cool guy.
0: And, one, it's off the back of him opening up more emotionally in the film than he ever has. Yeah. And, two, yeah, it it, it just isn't... Maybe is that the one that he fails? I don't know. Anyway, there's a point where, yeah, he's, like, fraying at the edges. And this psych testing thing just doesn't really come off as being an important thing it's just sort of an annoying thing that's exactly that's
1: that's sort of where
0: I was getting at where where like it also um, feels ripped off of Blade Runner where he yeah. has to have those like regular tests of a baseline. Yeah.
1: Well, so, so the idea he has this problem with his dad, where he's like, "Oh, I never really knew my dad," and like, it's got daddy issues. I have this problem with my my parents, and he, there's a literally so one of these psychoanalysis scenes. There's a line that's literally like, "I think I have problems relating to people and expressing myself emotionally because I never knew my father."
0: It's crazy, and it's like
1: it's this stunning, laughably bad sense of like self-awareness that right. this character has that he doesn't express in nearly the same amount of depth at any other point in the movie but also uh, I suppose spoiler 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 as like a thematic thing that I think it'd be nice to not, know, to not know on the way in um, the the dude that's on the spaceship at the end of Neptune that might have gone crazy is his dad and so he wants to go and talk to his dad and meet his dad I think he learned that at like pretty quickly, the but 10 minute know. mark I think it would have been nice not to know whatever sure. um, so played by Tommy Lee Jones But, like, you know, he just wants to get there and meet his dad because he's told us that. He's told us the only problem he has in his whole life is this emotional problem with his dad. And his dad's there. And he wants to go talk to his dad. And so every single emotional diversion doesn't seem like a cool, interesting, mysterious window into his character. Because we've already been spoon-fed what that is. And we're just like, no, we get. It. No, I don't care about any of this. You're all, you're literally wasting my time. Yep. Get to the next bit. Also, and so there's this you- moon buggy, Fast and the Furious chase right. sequence where they introduce like, oh, and by the way, the moon is mostly a war zone because capitalism has gone so far that it's uh, the moon is good for mining and there's lots of precious minerals, but no one's laid claim to the, uh, so it's a war zone out there. So don't go onto the dark side of the moon because people will shoot you because they're trying to mine there. Yeah. But that's a cool... Again, that's a cool premise. It feels like this could have been like a mini-series and get good writers on there, build this world up, and have like a whole three episodes on the moon and show us that slowly. Don't try shovel it in there in like a seven-minute
0: thing that doesn't fit
1: the rest of the story at all.
0: three people in that chase scene die... And I couldn't tell you their names. No. I don't care. No. And I thought one of them died that wasn't the one that I thought died. And then it turns out that they get left behind anyway. And I don't give a fuck. Because yeah. they served really no
1: purpose. It was just like, Oh, I'm I'm a cow- <laughs> I'm an extra that has to drive you from one side of the base to the other yeah, side of the base. It was
0: so poor. And also, like, have you ever listened to real astronauts talk about like talk pragmatically about having to do shit? Like, I've listened to <laughs> interviews with the Apollo crews and stuff. Those people are cold blooded. They do not feel emotion in a way that affects them or their ability to yeah. like contribute to a mission or whatever. I just had a tough time. Believing that Brad Pitt, the person who can keep his heart rate below bullshit BPM at all times in his life, would have such deep-seated emotional issues that would control him so much. It's like, I just don't think that... I think you would have learned to deal with that. Well, I think the interesting bit in the movie that they did poorly was like, he's never had to
1: deal with it before because he always thought his dad was dead. And he's never had to deal with a, a work-related thing that specifically relates to his dad before, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so it's like, oh, this is I mean, him. I, yeah. I, I, I can get sort that, of see where it's like this is his ultimate career crisis, culminating with his ultimate personal crisis in a way where like he has to go on a literal journey, the longest physical journey he's ever been on, at the same time as like the longest emotional journey he's ever been on, and so right. like his space trip. Lines with his mental trip. I just wish that they didn't have literally lines that said that in the movie.
0: <laughs> they didn't even have lines that said that. They had lines that said things that sort of related to that. I, I don't know. It's it just very poorly written. But like, there was a whole. I like, would have. Li- I would have liked to see this film without the narration to yeah. see if it felt better because I think it would feel better. Yeah, I think it would feel better. I don't <sighs> I don't know then if I would still have some of the issues that I have with it because <sighs> yeah. it still feels very much like I I think if you removed all of the narration it would just feel like well this is just uh Heart of Darkness in space.
1: Yeah, well, there was a lot of also there was a lot of tell you don't show you. So if you removed all the narration, it was one of
0: the worst of those.
1: Yeah, if you removed all the narration, you would absolutely have to write in a whole bunch more scenes where they very subtly and slowly <laughs> ex- show you why he has these emotional problems about his father. Acted. Well, because they don't. I don't even really think he's that good in it.
0: No, he's not. But he's not. I mean, he's not given. a He's chance just given to nothing good, to work with. But yeah, it was awful. There
1: was just so much shit. Like I wish that they had. Sh- yeah, I wish they'd shown us why it is that he has problems with his dad or how that impacts him other than just like them being like oh you have to go talk to your dad on this mission isn't that going to be a
0: problem and he's like y- no, no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, exact, that's yeah. basically all it is or like and then they're like "Well, oh, yeah okay so again super super spoilers yeah. definitely spoilers then they're like Oh, uh, I know we got you on board because you want to talk to your dad and we think that's the only reason that he'll respond. But also, now that you're involved with your dad, we got to cut you off, buddy.
1: Yeah, literally. They're like, oh, we we only want you, not just because you're a good astronaut, yeah. because he's your dad. But as soon as he's like,
0: hi, dad, it's me, your son. I really want to talk to you. They're like, whoa, 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 don't get too involved. Yeah, and if you think that's your greatest <laughs> chance of survival, then like, just fucking send him. It's Who uh, cares? So much. Just this, put him uh, on a spaceship and fire him off. Like, what's the worst thing that happens is that he never comes back? Yeah, <laughs> well, well, the military's so much not going to give a fuck.
1: Oh no, I feel like with these astronauts, it's like you know you put millions of dollars of training into these dudes. Like, no, you can't. Yeah, They're the world's
0: going to be blown up. Oh, I see. Yeah, no. they don't give a fuck. <laughs> the stakes are the same. Yeah, it's one dude. Like, oh man, yeah. It, none of the, the like I said, I, this just feels so first draft to me. Literally, like, it like, had such a good concept behind it. Sure, fine. Yeah. Beyond that. No one told them mm. this sucks. There's a scene that's
1: I think in the trailer, that's crazy if this is in the trailer, where um much like Apocalypse Now, there's some like ship floating in the middle of space that's giving out a distress signal. Yeah. But they can't actually see anyone on board, and they're not responding on the radio. So, like, oh, we got to board it and see what's going on. And it turns out there's like a feral, crazy baboon on the ship. Multiple, (laughs) multiple crazy baboons. They've slaughtered the whole crew, and so Brad Pitt plus one go on the spaceship, and the plus one gets killed by the baboon. Gets
0: his nose eaten to death. Um, and then.
1: That's the scene where Brad Pitt comes back and has to do a psych ev- evaluation. And he was like, Yeah, when I saw that monkey, I just saw rage and I felt rage. And it kind of
0: reminded me of the rage I feel about not knowing my dad. It was literally, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was that. It was literally like, That's the same as the rage I feel. It's like. F- 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 what do you mean? No, it's not. No, what do you mean? You watched You're not a chewing people's faces off. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not a direct emotional correlate, but it's just, it It was so ham-fisted. So many lines like, where we animal laughed. Animal angry. Me also animal oh, angry. Oh, man. It sucked. It, it really felt it like... sucked Ah, Someone had written that as a placeholder and was like, oh, I'll fix that later. The worst thing about this film is that it reeks of how highly it thinks of itself. It is so pretentious. It's yeah. so... Clearly, because of all the artistic art direction and all of the way that the it's shot and the way that and everything. It's assembled. And
1: clearly, like, very detailed model making they've had to do oh, for yeah. the spaceships. And, like, a
0: You know, a, a hundred million dollar budget, like, a, a, and and how much there's just contemplative shots of Brad Pitt where he's talking over the top of himself, which I'm convinced was added later, <laughs> same, as, same as Blade Runner. I firmly believe that the end product of this film thinks that it's a fucking masterpiece. It's the most pretentious bullshit. And It's garbage. It's just it, there's nothing mm. makes sense. It's stupid. It's dumb. It, it the script is first draft shite. Yeah. And uh, it's getting rave reviews. Even like the editing. And is it's no- convinced me that most film reviewers are. Just looking for cinematography porn. I felt like it must have been reviewed by like every first year philosophy student who's just (laughs) like, yeah, what if space big? (laughs) It's like ridiculous, ridiculous shit. It's asking like the most basic philosophical questions about bullshit, archaic, like fatherhood, masculinity stuff. Yeah. And it just feels so fucking tired and not innovative. Yeah. Like I said, just, just garbage. Yeah. Um... Oh, I just had a minor blackout? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. luckily, luckily, this, this recorder's battery-powered. Y- yet so another brownout in this review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lights went out with 30 seconds. We could podcast until the apocalypse with our giant-ass we got
0: another nine hours on this bad boy. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Take me home. What's going to run out first, this battery Not or coal? <laughs> uh, it's neck and neck at this point
1: that is a, a, a that is a lighting joke on this audio podcast <laughs> well considering that
0: uh, camera's mostly powered by snowy hydro it's actually not cold buddy. yeah that's uh, oh man Um nah, you fucked it <laughs> that's a bit concerning <sighs> yeah I don't know how much more it's going to be tolerable of us to just be like oh it well, was so bad no because
1: no, that's the thing it wasn't actually other than the script Everything else about this film was really well. No, it was really well done.
0: I, I know what like, you mean. It's just like other than this, or maybe it was story. just the visuals. Like I
1: thought the music was quite good. There's some Nils Fram the in there. The, the score yeah. I thought it was quite good. Oh, the sound again, was great. There was like some, the foley. Yeah, there was some use of the score actually, where like the, the, it sounded like that looping, um, ascending scale that Ah, sounds like it's you know what it means like it's always going up and up and up and up and up and up and it builds this a certain amount of something tone yeah and there was was, there's it's just it was a it might not have even been there but it was really suspenseful music right as like a rocket was about to crash into the surface of the planet and literally two or three times in the film it did this thing where the music started getting faster and faster and faster and higher and higher and it started getting really tense and then brad pitt just goes like and delicately lands it on the planet. Yeah. And the music totally gave you a bum steer. The shepherd tone. That's it, yeah. So it kind of sounded like that. But th- the music made it sound like they were going so fast
0: they were going to crash. Yeah. And when he just parks it, it's like, well, well, you just lied to me. Yeah. Well, there was just no tension for me because I was like, okay, this isn't one of those situations where like the rocket half makes it. Like They either are, are, are dashed against the face of the planet or they're fine. And yeah. they're not going to be dashed against the face of the planet because Brad Pitt's driving well, the that, fucking I mean, rocket. I, I could see, and so they're
1: fine. I could see a Martian-style scenario where they have to let McGyver their way out of a rocket crash. But like, yeah, twice it really felt like they were about to just splat into the side of the moon, and it was just because the music was poorly placed. Yeah. So maybe the music wasn't that good. The music itself was good, but it's the music. Yeah, the its, music was good. Its use in the film was misleading. Yeah, the score, and it was literally, literally a moment where it was like, oh there's no tension in this. Let's just slap some tense music on it. You know? Or like the the equivalent of like... force you to feel tense. Exactly. Like the equivalent of like, oh, I wanted to have a romantic scene, but I don't really know how to do that. So I'm just going to slap a pop song on there that's a really lovely pop That sort of shit. Um, But the, the, the visuals... Yeah, like we said at the top of the show, a lot of like Blade Runner 2049 style cinematography.
0: There's a scene in this that I think was lifted straight out of the archive... Uh, but w- yeah. with that yellow light yeah. it's not a colour that you see very often especially in these types of films yeah. but it's just like the only light colour in the entire scene and it's like rough concrete it was beautiful it I just, really it's, liked it's it it's beautiful and I just thought like well, this is one of the best things in the entire movie, and it feels like I'm just looking at a better film. It felt like, it <laughs> felt know, like copy like pasted. I from just Blade want to Run go and Run watch later Run. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This film, yeah, and uh, another influence that has been uh, drawn uh, particularly, we were listening to Mark Kermode talk yep. about this movie, and Event Horizon is a film that where I felt it carried that same sense of like horror and tension because he was sort of it's that same like. Uh, the idea of like approaching abandoned ships in space. D- and, they like,
1: literally have to go to an abandoned ship at ne- in Neptune on that as well. <laughs> into
0: madness. Yeah, exactly. And like, for those of you who haven't seen Event Horizon, it's a story about a crew that, um, finds a ship that's giving off a distress signal near Neptune and they go and board it. And it turns out that a portal has been opened to hell and, uh, the, the sh- ship is fucked. Like uh, all of the crew have like killed themselves, or in like some satanic way, or whatever. Doom three on a spaceship. Yeah, it's a really cool movie. Um, very very cool. Uh, uh, like that has crazy low scores. Really the gross internet, and man. horrifying. Uh I don't think it deserves crazy low scores. It's got a it's, Rotten Tomatoes score of
1: twenty seven.
0: I think it's such an interesting concept that, and, and it's so like grimy and gritty. Yeah, it's got such strong art direction behind it. And also the script has an interesting enough idea that maybe even if it's not perfect in its execution, at least it's not like this, <laughs> where yeah. it's just like the most boilerplate daddy issues bullshit. Fuck. Right. So I can't believe they the pissed final... away Brad Pitt. Like he's yeah. going to die soon. And Tommy Lee Jones. And he's going to die even sooner. And they pissed away both of them on this.
1: The final cherry on the top, pissing on the cake scene in this movie where there was like, oh my god was when Brad Pitt, spoiler for the third time, yeah. finally gets also, to the ship on Neptune. Don't
0: see this fucking movie. Oh, that's the
1: thing, I thought it was fun. The visuals were great. Yeah. I thought it was such a spectacular movie to watch that if you've already seen Interstellar 17 times and you couldn't bear to watch it a eighteenth time, you could watch this. It's go literally and watch, literally shot by the same guy. Go and watch um, any of the other <laughs> sci-fi series we've talked about. Yeah. Um it gets to Tommy Lee Jones on the ship. And they have like, they, he's like, hi, son. And he's like, hi, dad. Hey, son. Do you want to come help me lift this box? And he's like, nah. The dad goes, nah, I never cared about you or your mother. Yeah. We are completely unprovoked. Completely unprovoked. Yeah. And then Brad
0: Pitt goes, I know, but I love you anyway. And then. That's like. <laughs> 10% exaggerated on how bad it is. No, it's he's, genuinely really bad. The
1: line verbatim is, I never cared about you or your mother, and yeah. Brad Pitt says, I know, but I love you anyway. That's 100% God, a verbatim I, quote I, from the
0: movie. My eyes glassed over. I, I stopped listening.
1: It seems like such a first...
0: Considering how
1: it's beautiful so this movie looks and how incredible... It, it looks so arty. The trailer and everything... I didn't. To be no, I didn't watch the trailer. But to be, I got, I got the impression from this movie going in, and the movie feels like it thinks it is, yeah, like First Man or Interstellar, or it, th- it thinks it's this top shit, top tier philosophy about yeah. what life is like and like what it really is to be isolated, and, like, based on how- what man is like when they're on the edge of civilization. But it's not. It's just some dude who literally says, "I miss my dad. Hi, dad," and that's that's the whole movie.
0: Yeah. Based on how uh, shallow all of his uh, diatribes are, it's as if someone's like, have you ever thought about this? And you're like, yeah. And you start to think about all of the complex thoughts you've had about that. And then someone's just like... No, I just thought it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like, space is dark and big, hey. <laughs> like, Weren't we sitting next to someone
1: that said that to a date? Uh, I was so- trying
0: to think of what the line was. I can't remember. God, what was it?
1: we were sitting in a bar just last week and some dude was on a first date and said to the oh that's right said
0: to the chick like yeah he was like <laughs> yeah it's just like space is so big it's huge or whatever you know and I, I was listening <laughs> into this conversation and I was like that's not that was the funny part because I thought he was going somewhere right and I was like alright this dude's like bringing up the big guns on like first or third yeah. date or whatever <laughs> yeah and then he's like like we could literally have twins or whatever <laughs> <laughs> It's like, like, I'd fuck that dude. Space dimension twins. Yeah, <laughs> fucking. Like that's I mean, your first thought about. Like, what if there's another me? He's not wrong. No, he's yeah. just like yeah. But again, exactly. It's like it's a very lo-fi interpretation like, of the infinite jock universe. conceptualizes of string <laughs> theory. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, sp- sports jock Conceptualizes of like <laughs> mankind's place in the universe. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like, what if your dad didn't love you? And he was more fixated on scientific discovery than caring about his dumb kid. Which could be interesting.
1: Yeah, because well, at the heart of the movie, exactly, it has a great premise all about isolation and about this long journey that's a parallel of his own thing. It sort of looks at, like, um, when you're so focused on your one passion. Everything else falls by the wayside. So for Brad Pitt's dad, he's so focused on his work that he doesn't realize the impact that his actions have on others. Where like literally, his space station is killing off thousands of people on Earth with its harmful rays. Yeah. And Brad Pitt is so focused. It's sort of like to be fair, Brad Pitt's thing's kind of fucked because sometimes he's really focused on the mission and doesn't care about his parents, and then sometimes he's really focused on his dad and doesn't care about the mission, and then. It's not entirely clear. And then there's a bit where he says, like, I just feel like I'm being used. And it's like, dude, you're in the armed forces. What do <laughs> like, you mean you feel like you're being yeah, used? mate. <laughs> you literally signed up to be an
0: asset. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, this is what I was just about to ask. What it, Can you describe to me what you think Brad Pitt's character arc is? Because he's the protagonist, and we don't really <laughs> spend any time with anyone else in this movie. No. So what is his character arc? Well, I think that... Where does he start and where does he finish that's different to that? I think I actually can
1: do this, but you're just going to complain that the movie didn't do a good job of actually showing it properly. But what it is, is Brad Pitt is a very professional kind of guy. He's very good at his job and he really cares about that. He gets to this point where he has to deal and grapple with his dad being the main focus of this mission. And that becomes such a distraction that it distracts from him being able to do his job properly. And he realizes he's got this huge problem and this emotional battle with his dad that he hadn't properly grappled with before. To the point where he wants to compromise the mission completely and go off on this other tangent and like go and save his dad's life and stop Space Corps from killing his dad because he wants to go and hang out with his dad. I it's like well no they have to kind of do that to save thousands of people back on earth and so Brad Pitt has this realisation at the end of the movie that he has to learn to let go of that emotion and come to terms with the loss rather than like selfishly hold on to it but it, like, at the at end, the end but of but the then film it,
0: he's trying to save his dad
1: no he lets go of him There, they spin off into space because and he, he, he has to yeah, I mean, because his, yeah. his dad's literally like, unhook me, unhook me, let <laughs> yeah. me go, let
0: yeah. me go. Literally. I'll kill us
1: both if you don't let me go. <laughs> yeah. die. It's
0: like, we're both gonna die, you no. idiot. And
1: then maybe Brad Pitt doesn't have that realization. You're right, Tommy Lee Jones is the one that's like, yeah, Cunt, I have to go die now, otherwise, <laughs> <Yeah>. you-
0: <laughs> I gotta go to Neptune, mate.
1: <laughs> 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 fucking let me go. Um, no, I don't know. It's not very, very satisfyingly written. I just don't think his arc
0: has any f- actual meaning to it. You're I think right, there isn't can actually look that for much. an arc. Yeah. And I think, like, maybe you could say, like, oh, maybe it's the fact that he wanted to really meet his dad. (laughs) But that's the thing, like... But it's bullshit. It is bullshit, especially since
1: at the very beginning of the movie, he basically says, I really want to meet my dad. Right.
0: And so that's just it for the whole movie. And And the whole movie, like, I don't care if you meet your dad. I care if humanity survives, yeah. you idiot. The, yeah. <laughs> and then he does shit that directly compromises that. I'm like, well, well I don't like you now. <laughs> well, I feel yeah,
1: I feel like then the, the resolution is, oh, he realizes that what he did was wrong and he makes a right, in a way. Even though it's not really properly depicted that way. And it kind of seems like he's trying so desperately to keep saving his dad. And his dad's like, no, bro, you have to do the right thing. Fuck off. <laughs> Let go. Um but, like, I think that at the heart of the movie, there's a good movie in there somewhere, oh, and there are yeah. so many cool concepts, like the space tourism thing, where, like, it shows you, like, that they've adapted the whole experience of going to the airport and getting on a plane and getting the inflight and the air hostesses into a rocket. Where yeah. you have like, where the s- they you literally say like, where the seating is in the rocket, and you see like the lady like floating around with a drink cart which yeah. kind of shit. And there's like a pre space medical screening where they're like, have you been to the moon before? They even they the approach
0: moon? like hyper capitalism where she's like, do you want a blanket and face towel? It'll be $110. I think it was actually a $120. Dollars. Fuck off. <laughs> it's just a single line slipped in there. Yeah. And you're like, and you're like oh, that's Jesus, a that's a lot of money. Is that luxury space flight, or is a coffee $20 now? Or
1: actually, they haven't quite explained what year this is, so maybe it's just inflation. It's normal, and they didn't even
0: think of that. (laughs) Yeah, well, anyway, it's the type of thing where, like, yeah, and again, like, the first until the lunar chase scene is just pretty good. And yeah. then after that, it fucking. The wheels fall <sighs> off. I think it, it, it just introduces
1: too much shit. Like, I would have loved if it was, like I said, if it was a miniseries, you could have fleshed out all this stuff a lot more. But as it was, it introduced too much shit. I don't care about yeah. the baboon in space.
0: Yeah. I don't care about the lunar chase scene. Those, uh, <sighs> here, here's what I wonder cut that, cut the monkeys, yeah. cut the voiceover. What is this movie now? Is it good? <laughs> like, is it a good movie? Is it just something where you get to read a lot into like the deep silences of the character and like his like scenes of him like brooding and meditative?
1: I think we're at a point in modern filmmaking where you can make movies that look like they were shot in space. So, if you love yeah. space movies, and I really love space movies, I think this is a great fun to look Listeners. at. Listeners. A visual spectacle. really
0: (laughs) loves space No, I mean, like,
1: it was a visual spectacle. Like, their International Space Station at the start is an international space antenna that's grounded on the planet and goes all the way up through the atmosphere to space in this huge, big, long fucking...
0: It's incredible. I thought it was going to be a space elevator. Which yeah. is another cool concept
1: Well that's um, No this is no. This is an antenna Which yeah. is way cooler Than an elevator No um, space elevators where you like <laughs>
0: Launch a space station And it's orbiting Around the planet But yeah. it's orbiting Around the planet In a way where it's Always above the same Point Geo- on the earth
1: Geosynchronous baby Right No geostationary Fuck yeah. One of those and
0: then, You idiot <laughs> And then you run a cable From the ground yeah, Do up you to It's synchronous Or
1: stationary <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well it is a station So huh. you know Oh that's the same Root word Root word. Fuck yeah. Nice. So you run a cable up <laughs> from the ground to where the space station is, and it's just like a permanent like elevator cable between space and Earth. Wow. And it's just like, oh, that's well, plausible. I know
1: they <laughs> haven't been able to figure it out, but it sounds like you've got it sorted, boy. Yeah, mate. <laughs> I
0: read a German book once.
1: Oh, it's geosynchronous or stationary. It's one of them geo ones.
0: <laughs> just fanging on up Look. there.
1: Hook a cable here. I'll grab this end and I'll run it up to the space station. <laughs> you launch me into space. <laughs> you can take me and down on the elevator on with ass. time for dinner. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't really. I think that's probably all I've got on this movie. Did I you think enjoy that, it? Yeah, I really did. D- despite oh, the writing, uh, the writing was horribly bad. But I enjoyed enough of the the visual. Literally, just the visuals did all the heavy lifting, and uh, I like Brad Pitt. Yeah. I thought Tommy Lee Jones and Brad Pitt were good in it, or they were they were just fine in fine. it. And the visuals were so cool. And about every 20 minutes, there was another interesting concept that was brought up. Just enough it to kept keep me, you going. It kept me going, yeah. <laughs> I thought that... um. Another few quick thoughts that are occurring to me now is the editing in this film was total rat shit. They tried to do this kind of memory collage thing where he would have something that would trigger a childhood memory, or and it would show you this like flashback kind of sequence that was all formatted to be like grainy Super Eight type footage, which actually doesn't make any sense because if it's set in like 2050. And it like it would just be digital, it would just be normal footage. <laughs> yeah,
0: but, but then a 1080p DSLR. <laughs>
1: but fine, you can put some sepia tone on the memory if you want. But it didn't actually impactfully show you anything. Yeah. Like they could have used those sequences to show scenes with his dad where they didn't really connect, or to show like treasured childhood memories. But it was literally every single one of those sequences. I can't remember what was happening because it didn't matter. It was like historical B-roll. Type it looks shit. like,
0: by the way, the editor of this film is like the same editor that this crew uses. He worked on Lost City of Z. He worked on uh, the Yeah, right. So like, of shit.
1: I suppose linearly, at his job. <laughs> linearly, the story makes sense and the scenes are cut together nicely. But mm-hmm. no, just this, just this little idea they had where they they sort of threw in these little little flashbacks, these little three-second flashbacks every five minutes. They didn't add anything and especially in a film where it needed so many lines of exposition and so much dialogue that literally explained
0: characters' backstories you could have had that in those flashbacks Um, I'm glad that you found the story similarly frustrating to me it's very frustrating because uh, I gather you didn't enjoy it no, I didn't enjoy it, and I wouldn't recommend it. I think, nah. but I think you
1: enjoyed it to the point where you weren't listening at the end. Like,
0: <laughs> no, I, think I, really I was t- paying attention the whole time. I just thought it was so dumb that I hated it. Yeah, um, and the visuals weren't enough to win me over. I thought they were great, but I, th- I was just, I just, it just made me want to go and watch a better movie. Yeah, it's. Um, it, 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 I would have rather watched Blade Runner again. I would have yeah. rather watched High Life again. I would have rather watched Event Horizon properly. Yeah.
1: It, it felt like they just didn't have enough respect for their audience to like actually write a decent script. And like,
0: like maybe that was the studio stepping yeah. in and saying you have to. Maybe it was Blade Runner again, where they yeah. said you have to have this voiceover or people won't get it. And maybe like American test audience is a fucking cancer. But if and they.
1: If that was the case, they cut a
0: lot of scenes that very subtly set up character motivations because there was no character
1: development at all. Well, there would have been nothing, exactly. And
0: I still think Brad Pitt's character wouldn't have had an arc. It's still just... Uh, fuck off to Neptune and fix that thing.
1: Yeah, there's this old
0: Obi-Wan Kenobi-style
1: dude that has to hang out with him for, like, five minutes and then has a heart attack and can't go any further who for no the, reason. the
0: evil dude in Hunger Games. Yeah, but he's in yeah. it for no reason. Why is that guy in the movie? That's what I'm saying. I, he's he, in it for no reason. He's one of the people who gets injured in the space chase, and I don't give a fuck. Mm. I just don't care. He's in it to, like, keep an eye on him, and then, I don't know, are you meant to associate with him and, like, start to like, like him as a companion character. It's
1: kind of, it was a cool concept about like, oh, we're going to keep watching you. But then we're also going to have this AI that watches you mentally and then we're going to kill the guy that's watching you five minutes into the movie. So actually, you didn't have to introduce him at all. it could
0: have been like, because he's a friend of his Tommy Lee Jones. So, It could have been like he's a, a surrogate father figure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? And it didn't. It just no, straight up didn't. Nothing. He could have been he he could have had all these tender moments with that old guy that yeah. was tagging along with him that showed that Brad Pitt had been craving this kind of emotional connection and had never got it. nah, we're just gonna why don't we just have him stay on the moon and eat Subway? that would be a lot easier, wouldn't God.
0: it? Um and then I'm annoyed that they wasted a hundred million dollars on this movie. The
1: only thing this Obi Wan Kenobi dude gives him is this fucking USB stick that's like secret, do not watch, especially not Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, and then up, he, he, plugged, he plugs watching. it into his fucking iPad thing on his wrist, and it's like, oh, it turns out Tommy Lee Jones might be evil. And it's like, well, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. But then also, he's sort he's of been, not.
1: He's been on, he's a secret astronaut that's been keeping his life secret for fifteen years, and
0: yeah. I think it would have been a a more powerful story. And like the end of this film, we'll tie it up here. The end of this film approaches a cool concept again where it's like he just got so fixated on his research he was desperate to find... His entire mission was finding alien life. He got so desperate and fixated upon it and refused to believe that he couldn't find anything that he sort of just like... Went beyond all means. Went a little crazy. Sacrificing his crew. Yeah. Kind of like became detached from reality. Exactly. Which isn't really clear if it's like, well, maybe he had Alzheimer's or whatever. (laughs) Because that's the other thing. He's like a (laughs) hundred. There's just no... And Brad Pitt is like 60. No,
2: he's not. Oh no, yeah, he,
0: oh, in real life he is. Right yeah, right but now. he looks like fucking 60. So, I I don't know man, I just would, the whole, as soon as they were like, Brad Pitt, we're going to load you into a rocket and fuck you off into space, I thought like, he is too old. <laughs> and Tommy no, Lee I'd... Jones is way too old. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I But I, I got stuck thinking like, there's Even just so many... Even his companion <laughs> is like, well, mate, he's got osteoarthritis.
1: Yeah. Like. Well, there's so many feasibility problems with this movie. Um... Where I know we've been trying to wrap it up, but I'm on a roll now. There's yeah. so many little feasibility problems with it. I just got stuck thinking about that they could have just explained with a throwaway Slight line, choices. like literally, like Tommy Lee Jones was up there for 15 years, and I thought, what was he eating? Right, you know, like, yeah. and they could have been like, oh, well, he's killed 10 crews, so he's got 10 times as much food. Right, that would have been done, you know. It was a five-year mission. He's killed off 10 crews. He's got enough food for 30 years. Yeah, Or like Done. There's, but a, no.
0: there's a growth room where yeah, you not right, do that. Or like no. literally the
1: whole reason Brad Pitt's on this That's giant voyage is because um, <laughs> that sounds like a game show. That's, That's high, high life! life. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the whole reason yeah. that Brad Pitt's on this voyage is because he has to go to Mars because they have a, a laser that encrypts messages on Mars and Mars is the furthest station out so that has to be the one they send the message to Neptune with. And I was like, well, why doesn't why don't they just Get Brad Pitt to record the message, and someone can take it to Mars. If he's your most valuable dude, and why? Why? Because then it, they don't. Once he's there, they, the responses are received in a soundproof booth on the other side of the glass. Right. So it's not as if they need Brad Pitt there to talk to his dad. But even and then, have like, a back and forth.
0: They're just going to nuke it because they send that dumb crew of idiots up to try and and like the the only point is that they've got a nuke on board. Yeah, and then they all end up dying. Killing themselves to death. Well,
1: yeah, I don't. I just, Brad
0: Pitt's just on board with a nuke. Like, like
1: I could rationalize why it is that Brad Pitt has to go there to Mars, but they don't. Is the point? Right. And so for half an hour, you're like, oh, oh he, he's just going to Mars to send a message. Why like can't a voicemail?
2: Yeah, like a voicemail.
1: Yeah. Why can't they just? And that could have just been two sentences of science sci-fi bullshit where it was like, oh. No, not even. I don't know. I'm not the writer. It's not my job to yeah. figure it out. The yeah. point is, there could have been two sentences, but that's so detracted from the whole film. Where I was like, the whole time I was like, well, why, why can't it's 2050 and you have a space antenna and you can't work out how to get a secret message to
0: Mars? Yeah.
1: And then the fact that they, oh fuck me, I, I could poke holes in this movie on there it, There's <laughs> so many. <laughs> Let's this is, wrap this up.
0: This is a great example of one of those films where like shit happens because they wanted it to happen not because it makes any fucking sense. No. But then it doesn't even back that up with that stuff being cool. No. So yeah.
1: I-, I was gonna say this is a cool movie to watch on the couch when it comes out on Netflix. No. But there's not enough action stuff in this movie to make it an exciting to make it an exciting watch, right? Yep. It's not like ah oh, it's the Fast and the Furious, whack it on your laptop and have fun. But then it's not enough of an engr- it's really slow and there's not enough of an engrossing Quality to it, where you're like, "Oh, first man's really slow, but it's fascinating and beautiful." It's like, "Well, no, it's just wanky." And every time it gets this slow shot, it's like, "Well, why were you paying this cunt to do this slow shot when you didn't have a script?" Yeah, get rid of this. Put five seconds more character development in here instead.
0: Yeah, director, tell your friend to fuck off. No, the screenwriter. (laughs) And hire an actually good screenwriter <laughs> to fix this piece of shit.
1: You've once again convinced me by letting myself talk myself into a hole for, f- for five <laughs> minutes. You did not enjoy no, this I movie. No, i this movie.
0: Okay, here's what you should do if you're thinking about whether or not you should watch this movie. Don't. And instead, watch any of Solaris, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Interstellar, High Life, Gravity, I guess, or Apocalypse Now.
2: Literally, or or
0: Event Horizon, any of those movies will be a better experience and probably give you, Mm. scratch the itch that this movie thinks that it's scratching. In
1: terms of brilliant space movies, I think that uh, number one space movie that I have personally seen
0: is easily Interstellar. Sure beautiful I've heard that Solaris is like the, the, the interstellar, smart interstellar is interstellar. the poor man's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just because Solaris is about a planet it's about a space station that orbits mm. above a planet where time passes really fast and it creates clones of people that's cool so it's like a really interesting concept but right. it's a Kubrick film made in the well, no, sorry not a Kubrick a Tarkovsky film made in like the 70s oh, is so it then impossible to
1: find just like his other ship
2: Yes, oh, and well, probably that,
1: impossible
0: then. to watch. Yeah, right. So don't... No, we, we can't recommend that then. So I think Interstellar um, is like yeah. the winner of the modern day. If you uh,
1: really liked... If you want to watch like this, watch my mum and dad's wedding tape. It's... Uh- <laughs> uh, no. Is that also impossible to find? I thought... no. Th- yeah, exactly. And I thought that... Um, I took a pretty sweet screenshot on my phone. If you can get a hold of that, that's pretty good. Uh, no, impossible, sh- impossible shit to find. i recommending right. that. Right. Um,
0: I really like You maybe took a sweet screenshot oh, right. of your parents' wedding video. Oh, right. No, no. no.
1: <laughs> Bro, what, <are> you <laughs> what the fuck about? are you talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've gone crazy. Look, Timothy Jones is
1: super <laughs> weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought Prospect was really good. Also, a good one. Watching De Stella. Watch Prospect if you yeah. find out how to watch Solaris and Sling us the USB. or when you're seriously, done. if
0: you're after a super weird, artsy film with a lot of philosophy behind it, watch High Life because that's Claire Denis is doing some wonderful stuff with that type of thing, and her visuals are, I would say, almost equally as strong.
1: And apparently, there's quite a lot of cum in it, so it's oh, quite there's, going there's it a well. silver dildo
0: machine in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you keep. You refer- think I'm joking?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know why you keep bringing up my, my nickname when it's we're trying cl- to do a podcast. It's called
0: <laughs> The Fuckbox. <laughs> Go watch High Life. And there's the name there's the name of
1: the episode. <laughs> oh no. I, right, well on that <laughs> dude. <laughs> it's, it's broken him. On the little bombshell that is silver dildo machine, I think we're gonna have S- to
0: silver dildo machine. Uh, Colin, it's called the fuck box. <laughs> <laughs> Say frick box if we're gonna get censored <laughs> on Spotify or whatever. Oh man, hell um, yeah!
1: I think that's about all the time we have left yeah. for. No
0: point in a better than worse end. This is one of the worst scripts I've seen <laughs> in a film with this high budget. If,
1: if you really had to push me, I'd say better than
0: Gravity, worse than Interstellar. Yeah, but, but even then, I think Gravity does a lot of shit better. Gravity is another one though, with the effects. It's directed
1: of- like by Quiron, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. Well, gravity is another one where the, the effects are great, the visuals are great, the concept is great, but then it has a script where like one astronaut is explaining to another astronaut who has a PhD like how physics oh, yeah. works, yeah. and so that also has a script that's like painful at times. Yeah. So I'd probably put those. I'd probably put this on the same pile as Gravity. But Lisa
0: f- knows it's a dumb
1: disaster yeah. maybe. If if you liked Gravity. This is like that, with a you, whole lot more moron. like moon buggies, idiot. <laughs> 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 moon buggies and shit. Yeah, but Interstellar is really the really the, the, the cream of the crop. And this thinks it's that, but it's not. Don't worry I, about I, it. You're I did want to
0: know how they made that lunar buggy chase because it looked like it was on the moon, and I just wanted it's to know moon. if they filmed it like Mad Max style and then like scoped everything else in later and yeah. made everything black and white or what. I would love to know how they made that. Uh, for eighty million dollars, it might have just been CG
1: yeah but it looked really good gravity yeah. was all CG with just like blue screen that's faces true. and
0: shit that's true yeah.
1: oh well we could, we could we could keep going anyway thank you for joining us for another week jump in on our facebook discussion group that we now have beef station with ho- beef posting that's it we'll I'll chuck a link in the description um Come in and join us there. We'll keep you updated on all the new episodes and all that. we got a whole community of people that love giving each other film recommendations and having a good old chat, and it's been great fun. Yeah. We dive in there every now and then as well, just in case you're all itching to chat to us. Fuck <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm on there all the time. Um, We've got an email address, which... you can still email us on if you've got any private little messages for us that you don't want everyone else to see Um, it's uh, beefstationpod at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for us any movies you're looking forward to or anything you'd like for us to cover on the show uh, give us an email we've had an episode we've had a request recently that we get drunk and watch Dora the Explorer that's right <laughs> <say> I was <laughs> trying to remember what movie it was <laughs> I'd say if you um, if you see that pop up on your feeds it's you'll know you've got Gina experience. to thanks so there you go uh, thank you for joining us for another week I'm Oscar I'm Andrew see you later